0: Welcome to the Glitch Tech's Rewatch podcast. We are so excited and so glad to have you joining us today for Episode 8, Adventures in Pet Training. I'm your host, Angela Ensminger, and we have four marvelous guests joining us for today's episode. So Adam, why don't you start us off, introduce yourself, and let us know what you do.
1: Hi, I'm Adam Rickabus. I was the animatic editor on today's episode.
0: Awesome. Very good. Thanks for joining us. And then
2: Julia. Thanks for having me. Hi, everyone. I'm Julia Kiseno. I was a production assistant on Glitch Text. It was a lot of just looking at assets and also breaking down the episodes. So happy to be here. And then we also have Felicia.
3: Hi, my name is Felicia Day, and I was a consulting producer on Glitch Text for the first... I think uh, for season or first 15 episodes, and then I also did a voice, the pet trainer in this episode, which does not sound like my voice right now. She's actually cool.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're cool as well. We're glad to have you. Uh, and thanks. Finally yeah. rounding up the team today is Phil. Hello, Phil.
4: Hi, my name is Phil Alora. I was the episodic director on this episode, working together with everyone to make this episode happen for today's viewing.
0: Excellent. So let's get a deeper dive into what all of you do. So Phil, we'll go in reverse order here, and we'll start with you. So, what is entailed with being an episodic director for animation?
4: Uh, it's pretty involved in terms of the process. We start with a script, and then we work with the script. That is, the director sits down with the art director, the showrunners, and the supervising producers to oversee what the scope of the episode is going to be and what goes into the episode, what they're looking for visually, what kind of like big tentpole items that we want to make sure come across in the episode, as well as like what the emotional intent is for all the characters, where their journey starts and where it ends. And this particular episode had a lot of heart, which is like amazing to see on a television show. There was a lot of great character moments that or weaved into the script. And then once we have that kind of general powwow, I sit down with the board artists and I work with them to assign each person a portion of the script so that they storyboard visually what the story is and bring that aspect to life. And I coordinate with them to make sure that the heart, the big temple uh, moments that we're looking for the visual aspects and the description that came from the previous meetings is then carried out through their visualization of the storytelling on their part and then from that from that aspect I ferry that collective of goodness that they create in the storyboard form and prepare that to go from you know I work with them from the thumbnail phase, which is their preliminary, exploration of the script to like storyboard cleanup. We work together with producers and surprise directors and, and producers. Uh, and then we go from there to the cleanup. And then once it's reached the cleanup phase where every all the notes and have been incorporated into their cleanup pass, I work with the boards to then ferry that into the editorial process where then I get to work, I got to work with Adam to bring the show to life. And that's where in that process, we incorporate the vocal tracks from the voice the actors, uh, such as Felicia, and sound effects and sound design and music score to bring the episode to life in a preliminary form. So that we kind of we get a sense of how the episode is going kind to of feel overall. I think Adam did a fantastic job regarding the sound design, Aww. the score, and bringing the show to life with a lot of atmospheric effects that. When we saw it in storyboard format, it just, it's still, like, it came to life and we saw how, like, oh, wow, like, you know, this this world felt really rich and fleshed out. And when it went to full color, we are like, wow, how much more, you know, all that groundwork that he had laid into that animatic just carried over into the next phase so that the sound design team and the post team were able to, like, just, just boost it. They had a lot of great work to begin with. So it was maybe Adam and, can share a little bit about the uh, animatic process if we've got time?
0: Oh yeah, we have, we have all the time. So Adam, please do tell us.
1: <laughs> cool, uh, yeah, animatic editing is a, uh, always a challenge to describe. Basically, I like to kind of liken it to creating the blueprint and the foundation for a show. And then the animators, awesome, talented animators, take it from there and uh, follow our little you know, rough cut of the show through fruition and, and making it all awesome, uh, what you see as a final product. So uh, for me, it was really awesome because already being a fan of the show and all the things that are happening in the studio and all the awesome actors that we got to you know, work with, including you, Felicia, I get to like play with all the cool stuff that everybody else makes. It all comes in a big funnel towards me and that I'm, I'm putting together the episode. And it's just, it was just a joy because yeah, everything was so cool. You could just like putting it all together, assembling things. I guess I really didn't describe the process too well is <laughs> more just kind of how fun it is. Um,
2: it's a fun job to have. It's, yes that's
1: what I mean. what I mean. Though it's hard to describe. Like, if you knew Adobe Premiere, maybe it would be more helpful. But basically, like, dropping in the storyboards into the into the episode into the uh, timeline, also bringing in the sound effects, you know, music. But it's all temporary stuff that's just as a, a guidelines for the actual end of the episode. And like Phil said, I was I was very lucky to have worked with such a collaborative team that a lot of the things that I did in animatic phase carried were, you know, influenced and inspired things along the way to, you know, so a lot of my initial sound design, for example, was brought all the way forward uh, into the final episode. So that was really cool.
4: One of the things I have to add is that with the way that we worked on this show and this series, usually we had their records prior to the storyboarding of the, the process. So when we were, Working with the storyboard artists, we would actually have the audio tracks if they would work from the the records. So they were able to put into the storyboards acting that was indicative of the character's performance in the records that the actors had brought. And what was really unique about this particular episode is that we had a very eccentric, unique character that was introduced, which is played by Felicia Day, who... It was a unique voice that we hadn't heard before in the series, so the board artists were able to kind of dip into the little nuances and flourishes that she lent to the character to make the performance in the boards stand out. So that was really unique. Very Maybe cool. uh, Felicia could elaborate on on what yeah. she brought.
3: Yeah, I love this show. I actually have been on the show since I guess they got picked up. So I was introduced to Dan Milano, one of the creators of the show, through my friend Rachel Bloom, because they worked on Robot Chicken together. And so she recommended me because she knew I knew a lot about video games. And so what really impresses me about the show, about the conscientiousness of the creators is that they had a summit after they got picked up to pilot. From pilot to series about developing out the arcs and the themes and the characters in the show in a specific way that would be considerate to gamers and considering gamers because they wanted to be authentic in a gaming way but they also had an incredibly diverse group of lgbt plus people in the room disabled women all sorts of people from different backgrounds and different religions, like races, like so they really had the summit where they asked everybody, what have you not seen? Where do you feel not represented? What do you feel is authentic and what is not? And what would you love to see? And I just feel like that's so incredible and so wonderful for showrunners who are trying to be representative, but might not know everything because you don't know everything because you're not everybody. And the fact that they're asking people who actually have backgrounds that are different from them, what their opinion of the work is and what it should be, it was so impressive to me. So I did the summit, the creative summit, and then Dan asked me to stay on to be a consultant as far as giving feedback as the show and the episodes developed. So I gave a lot of notes, structural notes and thematic notes and character notes on I believe the first 13 episodes. He tried to get me to write one, but I was pregnant and then had a baby during the time. So it was just a little much for me to write an episode, but a couple of my friends, Sarah McChesney and Cindy Parikh, I referred and they actually wrote, I think a couple episodes each. So they started becoming part of the team in a way and it's just wonderful family. I love Dan more than anything. And Eric is incredible too. So that's my not voice participation in Glitch text. And then they actually had me do a couple voices. I remember I did a voice of a Glitch Tech employee. I can't remember her name. it Starts with an S, but she was really bored and she didn't like anybody. And like, oh my God, she was kind of like that. So when they asked right. me to come in and play, I don't. Do you remember the name of character, Phil?
4: Yeah, she's right there on my, uh, just next to Bergie. She's right, right there. Yeah, yeah, finger? yeah.
3: See me? See me? It's See me. Yeah, yeah. it was See yeah. me, right? Like See me <laughs> Valley. Yep. Yeah. So she had a real attitude problem. And I usually I do a lot of voiceover, but I usually just do this voice I'm doing right now, except a little younger, because whenever I call anybody like a bank or an insurance company, they're like, Can I speak to your mom? And I'm just like, I am almost 40. Like (laughs) Which is fine because a lot of animation is young people. So I love it. I will play whatever character fits my voice. But I certainly wanted to stretch and do something different here. And I don't have a huge range of accents and things but I did say well I can do kind of a twisted mary poppins and so <laughs> it was eric actually who was in the room and like eric and aunt were there and they're like can you be a little bit bigger and we actually worked to come up with this crazy sort of demented mary poppins voice and I loved it so much that I wish Emma could continue on in some form or fashion somehow because she's very over the top. She's very almost snobby, but also she really loves these kids. And I love the writing in the episode, but I also love the character a lot. And as you'll see, she's very, very flamboyant.
1: (laughs) I love that the stretch was to actually play somebody who might be 40 years old.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. They're like, can you just sound a little older? And I'm like, I am definitely old enough to do my own insurance. Thank you. (laughs) Although- if a telemarketer calls and they ask they're like I'm sorry she's not here she's my mom I just really <laughs> <laughs> it's an easy out
0: you're like no I do no. not wish to purchase this today
3: exactly
1: <laughs> when we build the animatic a lot of times before the you know actors come and record their awesome stuff we just have a temp track in there like some people around the office just do right. voices and stuff So right. we, we had no idea that the awesomeness that was in store with when, in Emma's character when it came back I was like I had you know I get all the voice tracks and I was just like this is so much fun to work with like the, you'll hear a lot of like little ta 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 ta's and things that you did that I, <laughs> I, I like grabbed them from other takes and stuck them in
3: oh that's so great just to like
1: fill that you know you can reinforce that awesome character
4: which was great because like what we then do is like in that animatic process as we're building the animatic to inform the animation we'll go into hearing these performances and be like, Oh, you know, uh, I'll, I'll see little moments of where I can add acting like, Oh, we need a little a tick there. Oh, we need a little thing there. Or like, Oh, she should do something like this. Or, uh, you know, like the images that start to pop into my head and the revision process and, you know, working with Adam as he's put together the track to flesh out the character, what he's done then informs our revision to like adjust the acting in the board to then, what would then influence the animation down the pipe. And that was really great to see the characters fleshed out. Like there was things that we started adding in as we got more along in the process that little bits, little bits of business that the characters did or little bits that the characters did on screen. We started to add in based on what we had gotten and that weren't originally scripted and that was the beauty of like that collaborative process that we start to see things like oh there's a moment we could just like we could plus this or right, let's add this little gag you know just for the, for the sake of adding and that's involving also eric robles who was the show creator as well as dan because of our first animatic review when we sat down with dan eric and ian as well as like the other nickelodeon executives like they would all pitch in and review it. We'd watch it with the crew. And that was one of the other reasons why we had this full sound design, which was fantastic. So when the crew sat down to watch the animatic, it was like not just watching storyboards just move along on the screen. It was a full immersive stereo experience where people got the impact of the show, like for the first time. And this particular episode, I remember on the first screening, it was there was a lot there was a lot of material that we had to go through so we ended up making some adjustments and it became a very memorable show not only for I mean for the crew as well as for the creators so it was one of those episodes that really came together and solidified the heart and soul of the characters and really defined the series for the creators and the crew working on it
0: that's excellent. That's good to hear. And it, I love how collaborative it is, especially with the animation, just all the different moving parts, everything that's coming together, which I did have a, a question as well regarding your character in this episode, because this character is very specific. And it, it honestly reminded me of like someone's really cool, but kind of distant, but knows what she's doing ought. And so I was just,
3: just <laughs> wondering like- That's the sitcom. Like... That's my sitcom. I got to write that.
0: Show. <laughs> yeah. So I was just wanting to know like, when you're developing characters like this, I know you're going based off of, you know, what the writers have and the showrunners, but are you also pulling things like, oh, I remember this person doing this one time or I've seen this or I've experienced this for these types of people?
3: I think that, I mean, maybe when I was a kid there, in the sitcom world, there's like that Christine Baranski character who's like, hello, darling. It's kind of a weird holdover to like Catherine Hepburn and all those sort of like screwball comedy dames and I as a child I was homeschooled and I didn't know it wasn't cool to watch black and white movies so I like steep myself in those kind of movies so that sort of arch theater 30s 40s acting is kind of in my blood so I guess maybe that's it but also especially animation you kind of have to play to your strengths and some people are amazing at doing accents and they can differentiate characters especially if you've been on something before I just recently did a book narration thing and you just have to, have to go through, what can I do that sounds different from another voice, right? And often, you know, I've done a lot of voices on other shows where they're like, hey, can you just do one line over here, like woman on a bus or this? And you have to be like, okay, I can do this voice or this voice or this voice. And you got to know kind of the stable of things that you can do. This one is not, you're right. It's not specifically something that is universally needed in the world. But I think that I had done some improv. And I had been like a snooty sort of nanny or something at some point. And so I knew I had that in me. So you just kind of dig deep and be like, oh, I know this character. Can we do this? And so thank goodness they liked it. But we did try other things that were more straight before that. And I did attempt a British accent. And they were like, please don't do that. So (laughs) all of that is just as an actor, you just kind of you're like a Swiss army knife. And especially in voiceover, I think is even more so you kind of just have to pull something out of a hat and go with it.
0: Very cool. Very cool. And then that brings us to Julia. So production, the glue that holds it together,
3: hurting everyone,
0: making sure that the show goes. So what are your responsibilities as being an intern and then
2: being a production assistant? Yes. So I was an intern for like six months before I joined the show and I joined the show a little bit uh, later on they're already getting some animation back and some rigs back for certain episodes. And so one of my first tasks was sort of looking at the rigs and talking to Eric about it and sending notes back to the overseas studios. So a lot of keeping track of what we had and what we needed to get the animation done. And then I got moved on to calls for a couple of other episodes later on. But it's a lot of just keeping track of where everybody is at in the process, like your artists where the storyboard team is at where the editors are at where you know background designs color design is at for every episode so that if anything happens you kind of like know how to troubleshoot those things and also being very open and communicative with everybody and your team you need to have like very honed in like communication skills in order to do it so that's what I did and I feel like everybody did an incredible job I really really like this episode it it's so heartfelt it's really good so you guys did an amazing job on it
0: <laughs> absolutely i love this episode too and now we're going to get into it so this is episode eight so the synopsis is to figure out a fix for an ailing alley miko enters a pet training simulator high five tags along and makes an unlikely friend so for everyone at home we have the episode queued up in netflix at 000 So at the count of three, you'll hit play along with us and you'll be able to watch it all together. So count of three, everybody. One, two, three. And here we go, that beautiful Netflix logo. Followed by our Netflix original series and Nickelodeon production here.
3: Strange to be on Netflix and your Nickelodeon. (laughs) Collab. Is it oh, yeah.
1: This was yeah. a fun
4: character. Zoom, zoom, kazoom. We somewhere had somewhere a...
3: between
1: Mega Man and Sonic lives. Yeah. Zoom, zoom, kazoom. Yeah,
3: nope. A little bit of, a little bit of, uh, uh, yeah, Sonic. I hate Sonic. So <laughs> <laughs> Dan did the voice for that, right? Or zoom, zoom, kazoom. Dan, like? Dan did. Yeah, yeah. Dan did, we had a yeah. we had a pretty
4: good brainstorming session as to what this guy <laughs> was going to be called. <laughs>
0: And I just love Miko's line coming up where it's just like, he just says his name over and over and
1: just stop. He <laughs> loves it.
3: I, he, I actually, yeah, I actually got in trouble on the internet for dissing Sonic before, so I guess I'll just bring that back around.
0: Just, <laughs> double,
1: just double down on it.
0: Hold on to your truth, man. You know, you, you like some things, you don't like something. It's fine, everybody. Everyone has their own interests.
1: I used a lot of Sonic sound effects and they kind of like did some sound soundalikes <laughs> while he's zooming around like that. <laughs>
2: like copyrighted it's to sound different
1: (laughs) I had a lot of fun in this episode working with the dialogue of Allie too like when Mm. she's glitching out I kind of repeated certain frames and went back a couple times on the frames and you can kind of hear it in in the little voice little uh moments that she
4: has yeah I have a moment coming up soon when she reboots uh I think that's uh, it made it all the way through the episode from the time I did it in from the time I scratched it to the to the time it went to final I was like wait that's me so you're, I you're think. Right
1: yeah.
3: Do you guys play video games?
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: It's right here. I love them. Here we go. <laughs> I watch them.
2: <laughs> I, I watch love- my was- friends and I watch where everyone's like, is, tell me what you're doing. <laughs> yes exactly. That is me too. I'm like, I really love this <laughs> from afar.
1: <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I think we had a lot of uh, gamer folks on the, on the show, too. It helps at every turn of the process.
4: Yeah, uh, a number of the board artists were gamers. Um, I was a gamer growing up. I worked in games prior to jumping back into animation because I, I, like, jumped into uh, animation and then from animation to games and then back to animation. So this, was, this series was fantastic.
0: love oh, it's like all the prior knowledge is all condensed.
4: Yes.
1: Oh yeah, okay. which is awesome. And distilled,
4: yes. This is our uh, pet pet rehabilitation training area.
1: It's funny to see like the board artists too, like how they put their love and passion into it. These shots were all our first like drafts were full of all these different creatures.
3: Yeah, yeah. I think I to mentioned. <laughs> I had to, I mentioned to Dan, I think he told me that since I, 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 we were all throwing out like, what kind of games should we do episodes on? I was like, oh, you have to do Pokemon training. Oh, there I am. Hi. There it
4: is. Yep. Your introduction.
0: (laughs) I love Phil. He just runs away. It's like, and we're out.
4: (laughs) That got a a huge laugh (laughs) in the animatic phase. (laughs) (laughs)
0: You're so cute and, of course, spits up. (laughs) Of course.
4: Yeah, so all this acting, we added a lot of this acting right here for, because of Felicia's performance, we added it into the board. We had a lot of it. uh, Once we got the voice recording, it was like, oh man, we got to like, we had, you know, like Brienne, who was helping me out, like she did a lot of great acting here, adding stars to the eyes, like just the gestures. These are original poses from uh, Miriam Ferrante, who uh, freelanced on this episode.
0: Yeah, those are really good poses. It's like just to show how close we are, and that yes, yes, she is my pet, but also my friend.
1: Yeah, I was thought of it as like a little rap music video that they have together there.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know that she practiced in her spare time. It's like okay, now now this is our time to shine. Here we go. <laughs> so okay. the TikTok
2: is all of our poses. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: So cute.
2: So cute.
4: So deadly.
3: <laughs> so deadly.
4: <laughs> Coming up here, this is where it really, like, really starts to dig into the heart of these characters, how deep they are.
1: Yeah, this is this uh, episode was. I always had a box of tissues next to my editing station. I was tearing up up through the editing process. I was like, I think this is a good thing, and I was also going through uh, like I need to
2: do my job, but also, (laughs) but also the
1: feelings, the feelings. (laughs) It didn't help that I was I was going through my pet was like slowly, you know, at the end of his life. So it was just like it was such a. Like, well, this really is too real
3: up. it was yeah <laughs> too close well also five is an interesting character because he does have these sort of layers especially with his dad and in living with his grandparents, parents because he feels like he has a hole in his life that needs to be mm-hmm. filled mm-hmm. and so this journey of him filling that hole with a pet with his and pets are the best thing because they love us unconditionally there's no yeah. conditions to their love so it is kind of special especially in a kid's life
2: yeah and it moves from him like being very much like methodical or like pragmatic brain to like oh there's something deeper in here which i really like Mm -hmm. that's really really nice
0: yeah it's almost like a little shield he has up of like no i'm perfectly fine everything's fine it's just because because you don't know but just wait
4: (laughs) yeah there was a lot of a lot of fun explanation like moving five through a range of emotions like from You know, you see him eventually soften, you know, he's to accept, like, having a pet and, you know, feeling, like, having the feelings. Now, Miko, you know, you get to see, like, the depth of her feeling for her own pet. And she is the rambunctious, wild character that's, like, head over heels, like, do first, think later. But then you see how far she feels for each of the characters that she's involved with. Mm
3: Mm-hmm.
1: This was interesting. I remember, uh, Phil, we ended up like taking this episode apart twice or three times and putting it all back together because yep. just trying to have the only two stories going back and forth and ended up like cutting back and forth between their adventures like a lot. So yeah. it, probably, The scripts
3: this... are always a lot. I mean, I feel like there's a lot more going on in Glitch Text than there are other kids shows about this age, you know, so I don't, I, don't, I always when I see it brought to life from just reading scripts, I'm like, oh, look how many wonderful extra things are in this that make it so much more visually interesting than it was on the page.
4: Yeah, the the depth that Dan and Eric brought to the scripts and and the writing team brought to the scripts, I mean, that really helped to set the show apart in terms of like the amount of character they squeeze into every episode. Other writers that I've talked to, you know, sometimes they made little comments of like, oh, it feels like the show is overwritten for the age demographic. But what makes it good is the fact that it's written so well and so thoroughly from a character perspective that any age can watch the show and and find levels of entertainment in it from adults to younger children, you know, or just the right age demographic, the show stands out because there's something uh, of heart to really latch onto. You know, they're not just cardboard heroes, they're feeling you know, reacting real emotional creatures on screen that we're watching mm-hmm. you know, go through these stories.
2: And you see them grow, which is really nice. It's like sometimes you sometimes they kind of like remain the same, but I feel like in glitch text in every episode they like learn something new that it's so mm-hmm. important. I feel
1: um, like it has a good parallel between playing a game in that way. They they gain new skills, they get new equipment. Yes.
3: You know, yeah they fire, do they level up. <laughs> yeah they
1: level
4: they up do. <laughs> So that's
1: cool to kind of track that journey, but also be able to jump in at any episode and watch it and enjoy it.
4: And you can come back and watch it over and over. And it's like, each time you get to watch that journey happen, you're like, oh, this is, oh, that's why I'm watching this again. Because <laughs> <laughs> like other shows, you maybe watch it once and you're like, all right, it was it was cool visually, but you, know, you don't want to go back to watch those characters and see them go through the journey. This is a great acting bit right here from... Uh, Ben Choi, who boarded the <laughs> sequence. She we got it. Yeah, it's uh, like, I will
0: get this to work.
2: Ben, is amazing. It was really cool because after a while you could tell who boarded what because of the style of each artist.
4: Right, each, each different storyboard yeah. artist would bring yeah. different elements to the board, incorporating, you know, some anime influence or action influence, depending. And you know, this is, we're going back to Miriam. Uh, the earliest sequence with Zoom, Zoom, Kazoom was, heavily worked on by Jay, Jay Wu Kim, who is our supervising director. And uh, that was great to see like his influences on, on that opening sequence. And he, he also helped out on this, this particular portion as well as I.: So Jay and I were talking about like what would inspire this new weapon for, For five because we were like, what is he gonna do to like take this guy out? And I was like, hey, you know, Keanu Reeves. <laughs> and we started talking about like, you know, uh, sci-fi movies that we, you know, that people hate, but we still love because they're so good. They're so bad, they're so good.
1: <laughs>
3: Chronicles a- of Riddick? Yes. Uh, oh, gosh.
4: <laughs> no, <no, it> was-
3: <laughs> you,
0: you keep what you kill right there.
3: I love that movie, it's so bad. <laughs>
4: the fans out there if they could find the easter egg from a Keanu Reeves uh, movie like that's where that inspiration came from.
1: (laughs) There's also an Indiana Jones reference right (laughs) in here somewhere. Yeah (laughs) lots of little fun little references.
0: Mm -hmm. I love Alpha's introduction you're just like oh that's why they don't want to chase after you. (laughs) (laughs) He's like oh no. Yeah because there's this giant robot living in this cave. (laughs)
4: This was a fun sequence that I had uh, Jules Bridgers help me board uh, to kind of revise the sequence when he was introduced. But we wanted to have Alpha come out and feel really, really impressive and scary.
1: Finding Alpha's voice too was interesting, like going through the iterations of, of how this giant robot would sound.
0: What were some of the other ideas?
1: Well, it's always, it was always a progression, uh, much like a lot of the show. So it started out pretty basic and then just we added more and more layers and then decided that each time he talks, he has the little bleep bleep at the beginning and end. It was just kind of cool where we ended up. It's it's hard to be expressive with like three different sounds, but we, we tried our best to like, give oh. him character in that regard.
3: He's kind of like well, my one of my favorite movies is Iron Giant, and so oh, I'm one hundred
2: percent sucker
3: for yeah, sucker for robot anthropor- anthropomorphization. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, and I just like honestly too, I like high fives courage because I know if I was in this situation, I'd be like, oh, the robot helped me. Thank you. Bye, you know, and he's just like, oh, no, we can, we can work together. This this could
2: can, this can be a thing. Please don't smash me.
0: Yeah, I would be very concerned. He's just like, nope, I see what's going on here. We are we're now a team.
4: This was a really unique episode because this is all new environments. We had to design the underground and the above ground, and they both had to feel different, threatening, and unique. So we had a, a huge meeting with uh, Eric Dan. Um Ian and Scott Kakuta, our art director, to come up with ideas to what would this environment look like? How would we create something that's new and unique that we've never seen? And it was kind of like a sandbox episode where we could blue sky it and then see what happens. So it was a nightmare, I think, probably for like to design everything, but (laughs) uh, ultimately we ended up with something that was very unique to get out of the the, um, typical, town setting that we were in and
2: uh yeah it turned out really well i feel like that's what's so special about this and it shows how much work goes into it and how much like love and work the artists put into it because there were reuses so like basically we can reuse a couple of environments for certain episodes but if there's like new stuff everything has to be made from scratch (laughs) throughout Mm -hmm. the whole process um and there's a lot of episodes where there's like a lot of new stuff
0: Mm -hmm.
4: dance party
2: yeah
1: uh, this was this was a lot of
4: fun to pose out and anime <laughs> <It's> <laughs> I a love lot, this. lot it's of like work. in their
2: off time <laughs> yeah they're not like scary and threatening yeah
4: we
1: were editing it i was editing this and i was like oh i wonder if i held on this shot of them dancing too long like no no no
2: it's no. <laughs> perfect. <Adam>. perfect.
1: <laughs> whatever keep it perfect going. amount of time <laughs> I, uh, be a runner of, <laughs> speaking of the, the uh, map and stuff and the environment i remember somebody had a map of, and they had plotted out exactly, I think it must've been the design team. There was a map of exactly where Miko and Five were at all times during this episode oh, and how wow. they would like come back together at the end. And yeah. I, thought, I was like, dang, they had everything figured out.
4: Yeah, we, we had to do a lot of pre-planning of like what the environments would look like and and plot it out so that as we were going through the episode like each, each team would know like, oh, this is, you know this is the part where we do this and this is where this is located. Uh, this is the Indiana Jones reference coming up soon.
1: Yeah. <laughs> if you're playing uh, reference bingo, make sure to mark <laughs> this on your card.
4: So we had uh, Ban Choi, and Michael Fong, and Miriam Ferrante, as well as myself, and uh, Jay Woo Kim boarding on this. And we had Jules Bridgers and Bree Andrew Hart, who were helping out in revisions. and. This episode was really special too because this was the first episode that Top Shelf, our secondary animation studio came in to deliver and they delivered in spades. I mean, this was like an amazingly well-animated episode. They combined CG and 2D with harmony. It was just amazing. Just the results were really spectacular.
1: And it was one of the first ones to come in, right? That we could watch?
4: Yeah, in full color. Mm -hmm. I think so.
1: So I think it helped kind of the rest of the show.
3: I don't think, but most people don't probably appreciate how long it takes to just even see something. I <laughs> oh, had wow. no concept. I mean, cause I'd done live action for a long, long time. And then it takes a long time to do that, but it's no scale of, of animation. I'll do a voice and then, a year and a half later I'll be like oh mm-hmm. oh I did that Should, <laughs> is that coming up
1: <laughs> can finally tweet about it you can finally post about it
3: <laughs> yeah it feels like oh that felt like I was in, in another world okay great
2: <laughs> yeah I would say it takes like nine months to a year per episode to like I'm not even from like conception it's just like when like things go like okay this is the script go animatic and all that stuff yeah I remember when I realized that too. I was like, oh, okay. This is why you have to be kind of like ahead of the game. (laughs) Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah.
1: All on schedule, right?
2: Yep.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I like this because I love all the callbacks in the show because I just love how they're done because every episode that I've watched, there's always something where it just seems like it's there for like a gag or for fun or just to be interesting. And then later on, you realize, no, this actually plays a very integral part to the show, yeah. and it's almost hidden, but it's done in such a good way where you go, "Oh, now I see why that was there." And It's just such such good writing and good planning.
4: Yeah, a lot of smart writing, a lot of good character writing, and good visual visual seeds throughout.
3: Yeah, I think that's really important. In you know, I don't know if all TV does that, but is you know, I I think we're all have watched a TV show. We're like that character wouldn't do that, and we get really <laughs> angry. and that's where people are like having plot drive the story versus character but like especially obviously you know I feel like Eric and Dan always was like okay what are they going to learn this episode and what's the best place to put them for them to learn this versus like okay we want to do this set we want to do this kind of video game and so what do we want to do to them here
1: yeah there's always more of a gamey type stuff you can put into it but at the heart of it what what is it
4: Right, every episode is not not just a monster of the week episode, or it's like, oh, it's Spider-Man, you know, versus the Sinister Six this episode and Doc Ock next episode. It's, you know, each episode they delve into the characters a little bit deeper and bring out aspects of the character through the plot and through the story situations.
1: I love this coming up where both Miko and Five are talking at the same time. They're both so stoked about mm-hmm. what they just went through. <laughs> It's like, I've had an adventure. So have I. (laughs) And they both tell something of interest.
3: Their friendship is really nice. I love it. And I love how Miko kind of reverses that sort of classic. The guy, the the boy character is the out of control one and the girl's the one is like, are you really doing that? And practical and always has the answer. I love Mm -hmm. the reversal of that and how they just have this amazing platonic relationship. um, And nobody's ever, you know, it's, it's just very supportive, which is great. Yeah.
4: Right, it's about, what I loved about their characters were that they were balanced. It wasn't that you had one alpha character and the other one was always like the, the not so quick on the draw character that had to be mm-hmm. led along. It was like both were equally balanced in the sense that they, they had their strengths, they had their weaknesses, but they had that friendship that was able to work simpatico throughout each of the stories. They each had each other's back.
0: Oh, and they also help, and help very well.
4: We had asked uh, Top Drawer to take a look at the Batman and the Animated Series for Clayface animation as to get an idea Um, of like how this monster would be at the end of the episode.
0: That is an excellent reference because that's a very good episode of that yeah. show and you can definitely see it oh
4: god some of them actually had worked on it
0: <laughs> oh wow oh, that's, that's great that's, that's great. So cool. it's like so so y'all remember this right <laughs> that's that's the look <laughs> but with our own going flair going <laughs>
1: yeah this is the part where I always got choked up, even during animatic. Right here, yeah, like, yep. sacrificing himself yep. for his
4: friends. I was just yeah. like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, it has to happen. It's the only way. But you're just like,
4: ah. Oh. The combination of Adams scoring, the music, sound effects, bench choice boards, the timing and pacing that we put in the editorial process—like, it just—it still made an impact in 2D drawings, and you just—you just like, ah. Oh. Like and then f- seeing it full color, you had that full impact.
1: Oh! I'll never forget when Phil told me for the explosion. Do you remember that uh, Django Fett's ship, the, that crazy explosion that happened? Put that effect in there. <laughs>
0: I was like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I like this because you realize, ah, oh, <laughs> plan all along.
1: Let's go. One of my favorite lines you did, Felicia. It's so funny. <laughs> She's. I just love the idea that she's been watching them the whole time. Like yes, yes, (laughs)
0: yes. (laughs) You learn by doing, and also reading the instructions. (laughs) All nine. Like all nine. Yeah, it's like so much homework.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's a really good lesson in that. That Emma says it's you know.
4: Yeah, it's great, this great bit coming
1: up. Yeah. I do like that they're both from Braystone 12, too. So when the pets meet, you can see them kind of go, we understand each other, headbutt. Yeah, we're exactly,
3: they're right. oh, yeah. from the same head. universe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, friend.
1: <laughs> yeah, oh, hey, how's it going?
0: <laughs> yeah, and to your point, I do, I do like the lesson, because you finally realizes. oh, it's not just about a pet. It's It's my pet. It's my <laughs> friend.
2: Like, they're special to elf. me.
0: They're specific.
2: Yeah, like, it's not only code, it has, like, mm-hmm. meaning.
4: Mm-hmm. Although we got some, like, you know, initial discussion regarding, like, Emma's character putting her hand on Five's heart, like, there was some back and forth, you know, because in you know, when you work in uh, television animation for children, you know, there's ideas that, you know, they want to stay safe um, regarding adult to child relationships. Mm -hmm. We still wanted to really drive home the point. I I wanted to, I was pushing for this to really drive home the visual point of like, reality is not up here. She points to his head and then she puts her hand over his heart and says, reality is also here. Mm -hmm. I mean, that really drives home the point to kids, hopefully that, you know, this is something that we have to take care of. You know, Mm -hmm. this is where your friendships come from. This is where your relationships come from. And you learn a lot just by like listening to your heart.
0: That's very true. And you bring up Beautiful. a good point, too, because absolutely, there, there are a lot of things with, it is about your heart, but what you said, too, about, like, we can show to children in S&P, because that's always a concern, too. It's not just, oh, we can do whatever we want. It's like, you have to think about, well, how is it going to be interpretive? What are people yeah. going to say? What are people going to think? But I feel like you guys handle it very, very well.
4: Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, from the That's whole it. crew, thank you. Yes. From the entire crew, thank you very much. Yeah,
0: yeah So yeah. that is so that is the episode, guys. So yeah, just very heartfelt and touching, and and friendship, and just all the feels. And and the
4: imagine all that squeezed so into a twenty-two minute episode for a 6 It's hard. Yes.
3: <laughs> amazing. It's really amazing.
1: Well, it's definitely a challenge to cut down to that time limit. Yes,
3: imagine. <laughs> I can imagine. Great job. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's like, we need to keep all the moments, but <laughs> so we, we also have also to gotta keep, keep the
1: line about the nine pages. Come on. <laughs> that's,
0: very very solid.
4: <laughs> that's the biggest challenge, like working on a, on a show that's like 22 minutes or 11, is that, you know, you have, you have to squeeze it into 22 minutes or 11 minutes. And sometimes the first things that get cut are the funny gags, like, or the, the jokes, the verbal jokes, so. Oh, so the one thing about this episode that was really interesting is that when we initially put it together in its first incarnation of the first animatic, it was about 26 minutes long, and we had to cut it down quite a bit after our first screening. It was, I think we squeezed it down to about 25 minutes. We still had a lot of story and a lot of character. And after our first screening, met with Dan, and Eric, and Ian, and we walked over the notes that came in from the network, as well as their own notes and we looked at areas that can be cut and trimmed down to just get the story moving along because of course like most shows uh your second act is going to be a little bit fat so we trimmed a lot out and by the time we got to our second screening i think we were down to about 24 minutes which was still pretty long for a second screening but significantly less than what we had before which was fantastic and then fortunately for us when we had our final screening after our tweaks and revisions, uh, we were pretty close. We were about just hovering below 24 minutes and sitting with Dan, Eric Neen again, and Adam in the edit bay for the last uh, final lock session. I think we narrowed it down. We got it down to about a tight 22, which is where we needed to be for the episode. And that's what you got the chance to watch.
1: And having them talk at the same time helped too. Yeah. So yes. it takes up less time.
0: Yeah, that is true. Because I know for our show, there's, whenever I'm watching it, there's always in the back of my mind. Because you remember, you remember watching it during this when it was pitched, and then you watch it during you know the animatic, and then you watch the final animation, and sometimes it's always like, yeah, that's great, but I remember that one joke. <laughs> no, I had to cut it, I but know, it's still, yeah, it's yeah. still awesome. Oh, it's still great, but, so but never know. like that one never joke. <laughs>
1: That's what extras need to come back with, deleted scenes and stuff yes. like that. Right?
2: Yes! Oh god, that would be so cool. <laughs> <laughs> if,
4: if only there was a budget for like a gag reel.
1: Yeah. Oh,
4: that
0: would, oh my gosh, that'd be fantastic.
4: In live action, it's like, I love watching the live action, um, the cutscenes and the deleted scenes yes. and the gag reels that they put together for the Marvel movies, which are fantastic to watch the actors goofing about and like, you know, uh, f- flubbing the lines and stuff. And with animation, if we could only do that with like the actors in the booth and like actually animate all that. But that'd again, be so
3: fun.
1: That'd be sweet. If there was room in the budget, that'd be awesome.
0: <laughs> <laughs> One day, executives, if you're listening, One this day. is a good idea. People would love <laughs> to
3: see this. More right. is always awesome. <laughs> Value added.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So thank you all for coming on today. So now is the portion of the show where you guys get to talk about cool upcoming things that you want people to know about. So, Adam. We'll start with you. Where can people find you online? And is there anything that you want to promote or share with the audience?
1: If you care to find me online, I'm on Twitter at Rickabus, my last name. Any other Rickabuses that want to take Twitter, I'm sorry. I got the only one. (laughs) And then, yeah, uh, what I'm working on now, I'm working for Blizzard on Overwatch 2. So look forward to that. That's awesome. I'm, I'm helping out on the story and franchise development team to create the cinematics for that game.
0: It's it's,
1: uh, yeah, it's kind of it's pretty cool coming from a show that like loves games so much and I love games so much to eventually start working on games. It's been really fun. So yeah, look forward to that. Very
0: awesome. Thank you so much. And Julia, what do you have coming up and where can people find you?
2: People can find me at Juma Colors on Instagram (laughs) if you guys want. And then I'm working on I'm going to school right now, and then I'm also working on a couple of independent projects. I'm working on a graphic novel that is set to come out next year so I'll be posting more about that at the beginning of next year and that's it.
0: (laughs) All right we look forward to seeing that and Felicia where can people find you and what are some of your upcoming projects?
3: I am Felicia Day everywhere pretty much everywhere and I have been occupying my quarantine with Twitch streaming so if you want to see me play some video games I've been doing it many times a week just check my Twitch page, twitch.tv slash fleece day or I tweet about it all the time. So that's it. I really need to get back on the saddle. I have several voice things that I can't talk about because voice things are so in advance, but they'll be coming out maybe later next year.
0: Very cool. We look forward to seeing that. And Phil, where can people find you? And what are you currently working on?
4: You can find me on Instagram mostly. got some artwork posted up there. I'm currently working on a straight to Netflix feature film uh, that's called High in the Clouds. That's going to be coming out, I guess, in 2022, I believe. So that's what's currently on the the production docket and working on some other small side projects and freelancing here and there on the the lowdown.
0: Very cool. Yeah, we look forward to your movie for sure and all your future projects for everybody here. So you guys, Thank you all for coming on the show today and for sharing your expertise and what you did with animation and looking forward to seeing all of your future projects. So again, thank you very much for your time and to everyone out there. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time will will yeah. contained.